On the latest Beyond the Set New York, we are joined by longtime producer Peter Seraf, who has had the opportunity to work with some of the biggest names in Hollywood, including Tom Hanks and Steve Carell. Peter also discusses the impact that COVID-19 has had on the industry and why the film tax credit is so important to helping the industry get up and running again. Here's my conversation with Peter. Peter, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Glad to be here. So um, you've had a long career in, uh, in film and television. I don't know if it's necessarily mostly been in New York, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career? Sure. My entire career has been in New York. Uh, uh, I moved to New York in, in 1990 um, and uh, started working in the film business uh, and got my, my first real job you know, after PAing for a while and working on various things, I, I started working uh, for the director, Jonathan Demme, in 1992. Um, and uh, I worked with him for about a decade. Um, uh, I started working with him just before he won the Oscars for Silence of the Lambs and just as we were going into production on Philadelphia. And then the last movie we did together uh was a movie called The Truth About Charlie. And um, we worked on a lot of projects in, in, uh, that, that he directed and, uh, and others that we produced at a company called Clinica Aesthetico. Um, and then I went out on my own and uh, to make independent film. And then in 2004, um, started a company called Big Beach, which is uh, also based in New York, although we now have an office in Los Angeles as well. Um, so, but I've, I've always lived and worked in New York. Okay. And would you say that things have, how have things changed in New York in the, in the time that you've been working here? Well, you know, in the early nineties, there was, there was next to no production in, in New York. Um, it was deemed too expensive. Uh, and, uh, and inhospitable to production. So there was very little production going on. Production of the tax credit um, in the, in the uh, I guess that was probably in the 2000s when the tax credit came to New York. Uh, and uh, yeah. that changed everything. Yeah. Uh, so, and it became a robust production center. So when, so in that time, I guess, would you say that you've become would you say you've become more active since that tax credit has came into existence? Well, I would say we've done a lot more in New York. Um, you know, it's just become a lot easier to shoot in New York. So, uh, and I love, I love living and working there. And, um, and, Big, and Beach has, Big Beach has produced some pretty big projects like Little Miss Sunshine with Steve Carell and um, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood most recently with Tom Hanks. Were either of those film in New York at all? No. Well, uh, no, that's not entirely true. Uh, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood we shot for, I believe, three days in New York, but the rest of the movie was shot in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, yeah. Um, uh, which is, you know, the movie is about Fred Rogers, which is where, and he lived and worked in, in Pittsburgh. So um, that's why we shot the bulk of the movie there. We shot it, uh, we shot the the recreation of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood on the same stages where he filmed. Was it, did it need to be reconstructed? Have they kept it the same? Uh, the stage is the same. They're small stages, uh, television stages that, 
uh, aren't used a ton anymore. Um, but um, the sets are all in museums uh, and, um, you know, they offered to lend them to us, but we, we didn't feel right doing that. So we meticulously recreated everything. Crew members who worked on the show were still around and they would come by and some of them just started crying. They said, I can't believe it. It's exactly the same. And oddly enough, now those sets that we created have been donated and uh, are going into museums as well. You worked with Tom Hanks, and he's obviously worked on some some pretty big projects, and um, he's played some some pretty um, monumental roles, I would say. But maybe none other than Fred Rogers, who was literally in everybody's home for for decades. Did he have any kind of sense of uh, familiarity as well? Like, did, did that affect him in a in a positive way? You're right. Tom has played a lot of real people. Um, and um, that's part of the reason he resisted this role for a long time. I offered it to him three times before he finally said yes. Um, but when he finally did say yes, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't watch Mr. Rogers as a kid. Um, he, he sort of, he's talked about how, you know, he didn't think he was cool. And, you know, so he was a, probably a little too old, uh, Okay. Mr. Rogers came on the air in 1968 when Tom, he was, you know, probably about 10, 12 years old. And so he was a little too old for that. And he, you know, was a little too slow. And then, but he said that had he, he wished he'd had a familiarity with it. Um, uh, the familiarity that he has now from having done all the research and sort of lived and breathed it for a while, he would have loved to have shared that with his kids, which he didn't do. And that's interesting to hear. Fred Rogers was a cultural icon. Well, you know, for a lot of, you know, the, the Mr. Rogers kind of, I mean, he's always been around. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was on the air for 40 years. And then his, even after he's been on the air, his shows, uh, they continue. They've had a resurgence since the doc and since our film and a little bit before all that um, in terms of popularity um, and people really engaging with it. But, you know, it's, he, he did a strange show and it was at a different pace from everything else. And it was very easy to dismiss as, as weird and odd and what's wrong with this guy. And that's why there've been so many parodies of him. And, um, and Fred took all that in stride. So how did you get involved on the project? Uh, that one. So the, the screenwriters, uh, Noah Harpster and Micah Fitzerman blue wrote a spec script, um, uh, and sent it to me. And I fell in love with it. And I mean, like really full on fell in love. I just thought it was a brilliant script and committed to making the movie. The The issue was that um, they had written this beautiful story, but they hadn't gotten the rights um, from Fred Rogers company. And, you know, Fred was a public figure and he was no longer living. So, you know, anybody could make a story about him, but their script brilliantly included songs and sets and puppets and you know it it frames the story as an episode of the show and all of that is the intellectual property of the fred rogers company and of his family so we had to get the rights uh and that was a six-year journey of convincing those people who protect fred's legacy and protect it very fiercely that we were trustworthy and then just one question with Little Miss Sunshine, which I, I think, you know, going back and looking at Steve Carell's career, that was his first major picture outside of like those cult comedy type 
you know, with uh, uh, Anchorman and Forty um, Year Old Virgin. Uh, what was it like to work with him? Yeah, well, Steve, when we shot the movie, um, Steve had he he'd made Forty Year Old Virgin, which he had written as well as starred in, but it hadn't come out yet. It, it was in the can. I actually saw a very early cut of it. Okay. Uh, he was mostly known as a correspondent on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. And he'd done some small roles in some other movies, but he really wasn't well known. When we shot that movie, we, you know, Greg Kinnear was kind of the famous guy on set. Um, you know, not that we got a ton of attention, but whenever anybody would would notice that we were filming, he was the one people knew. Um, not Steve. By the time we got to Sundance, um, uh, where the movie premiered, 2006. Yeah, so we shot at the end of 2004, premiered in January of 2006. Um, then uh, by that time, Steve was a big star. 40-Year-Old Virgin had come out, and The Office was about to be come out. But I do want to kind of pivot a little bit. We are living in the midst of a global pandemic. Uh, you know, film production, TV production has come to uh, a halt. But how do you see the industry... Um, you know, responding. And where do you see the industry going when this is all done? Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, not just nationwide, worldwide, you know, there's a complete shutdown of production, um, which is, you know, unprecedented. Um, but, you know, and obviously there's a complete shutdown of pretty much every industry. And we've never seen anything like this in our lifetimes globally. So, it's, it's hard to know where it's going and it's hard to know what the impact will be. You know, the immediate impact is, is you know, devastating for a lot of people. You know, the, the majority of the people who work in our industry work freelance and don't, don't get paid if they don't work. Um, and so, you know, just in, in recent days, there's been a movement to, to uh, raise money for the below the line workers who, who don't have work and, um, led by Bruna Papandrea and so many people have jumped on board that and are starting to donate money, which is great. And it'll take a long time to emerge from this. It's, you know, movie theaters are all shut, all live theater, of course, sports, everything. Are we seeing the end of going to the movies or streaming services just gonna take over? It'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, obviously, you know, the theatrical experience has been challenged. Uh, in recent years, yep. um, and and um, and is this going to be the end of it? I don't think so. I think you know how long is it going to be before you're comfortable going to sit in a in a movie theater or in a Broadway theater with a bunch of strangers? Uh, are we are they going to run at thir one third capacity so that there's space between? Um, I don't know, but at the same time, I do know that I do think that people are already. Um, uh, yearning for some kind of human contact and, and collective experience. Um, and that when it feels safe, I think people are going to maybe want that more than ever. People but, look for entertainment to be an outlet. Entertainment is a release, is an escape from, from all of this. And the last thing that I just want to kind of get into with you, um, you know, you, you've worked in New York, you experienced and worked with the New York Film Tax Credit. Right. You know, there've been talks of cuts and I, and I believe uh, Governor Cuomo's um, budget has passed. So, you know, yeah. there, there was that, that slight cut. Why is the 
tax credit so important? Well, it's very important. Um, it employs a lot of people and it brings a lot of ancillary business, whether it's hotels and restaurants and caterers and companies where you buy and rent props and, and the, then the fabric companies where you, you know, buy the stuff to manufacture costumes and all the, all the money from production that gets pumped into the economy, I think is healthy. Look, but so, so as of April one, the tax credit has gone down from 30% to 25%. Um, and, uh, and the upstate tax credit, I believe has gone down by 5% as well. And the post-production tax credit. So all these tax credits are going down and I understand it where, where, you know, the state is facing a massive budget cut and, uh, and resources are scarce and we're going to have to figure out how as a society we, we respond and what is the greater good that's more necessary, whether it's healthcare or schools or childcare, all the things that we're going to, that, that are necessary and needed. What the, the, and the flip side of that is that jobs are the, the lifeblood of a, of a society and a culture and an economy. And, and we're going to have to do everything we can to get people back to work. Um, so the tax credit for the film business does create jobs and not just in the film industry, as we said. Um, and my understanding is it's funded by the, by the payroll taxes that are paid by those people who work. So it's different from your typical kind of corporate tax uh, incentive of which, you know, there are tons um, and New York gives tax incentives to banks and to developers and to real estate and to all sorts of industries as, as so many states do in order to attract jobs and, and boost the economy. A lot of those tax credits are, hey, you know, if you build this building, we'll give you, right. you know, X hundreds of millions of dollars of tax credits. Those jobs aren't guaranteed. They go away. The, the film tax credit is funded by the jobs that it creates. So it, and, and you have to invest the money. You know, we have to in, make the movie, invest millions of dollars in the movie or the television uh, production, and then and then we get the money back. And in New York, it's very slow. It can take two, three, four years before you fully get that money back. So you're, you're carrying uh, that, that loss for quite a while, but, but it's a significant incentive. So it's not just a handout. You have to invest the money and then, and then get it back. Uh, and you have to invest it in New York and in New York workers. Um, and it's critical. And, and the fact of the matter is, that every state is kind of in an arms race with another state or with a foreign territory that offers an incentive. And uh, in a challenging time to make film and television economically challenging, it's hard to, to recoup your investment. Those tax incentives are critical. And, you know, New York is not as generous as say Georgia or even Pennsylvania. Right. We don't, give a credit on above the line there is there is competition and i think that's yeah i think that's why nipa you know the new york production alliance who is kind of looking to be that unified voice of film and tv throughout new york i think that's why they're they're making this such a a central part of what they're trying to protect because it's not just about the projects this is a competition and if you want to compete you have to you have to stay competitive 
without question. And, you know, I know it's easy to look at it and go, oh, it's, you know, it's corporate welfare for big Hollywood studios. Why are we doing that? We need, you know, real people need food. They need money. They need education and healthcare. And those are all real things. Um, but it is a real, I think it is an effective jobs creation use of government resources. And, uh, you know, we have to be, you know, like I said, we're, we're going to have to figure out where we allocate those resources. I think it's an effective one. And I think NIPA is right to be, to be really lobbying hard to retain it. It's, it's important. We, there, like, I can't tell you, there was literally no, next to zero film and television in New York before the incentive. It was pretty much done. And it's quite robust now. Well, that's the word. That, that's a key word, incentive. You know, you have to, yeah. if you wanted to get the productions to leave California and other places that, you know, where, where they were comfortable, you had to, you had to give them something. Yeah, no, and, it, and, you know, and like I said, this is not the only industry that, that, that uh, does it. That does it. all do it. I think, I think this one is actually a, a very effective jobs creator, where other, whereas others could really be categorized quite, uh, quite uh, justifiably as, as true corporate welfare. Peter, uh, I really want to thank you for coming on, especially, uh, like we said, in, in the middle of a global pandemic. Likewise, uh, all the best to you. Stay healthy, stay safe. Stay as sane as you can. Yeah. Um, Going to watch we'll some movies. on the other side. Yeah. All right. Take care, right. Peter. Take, you Bye-bye. too. Goodbye.